My name is Jenny. My name is Ted. My name is Gray. And, and this, this is, is Anamorphology. The Invasion. The Visitor. The Encounter. The Message. The Predator. The Capture. The Stranger. The Alien. The Secret. The Android. The Forgotten. The Reaction. The Chain. The Unknown. The Escape. The Underground. The Decision. The Spoke. The Departure. The Second Discovery. The Proposed Threat. The Conspiracy. The Separation. The Deception. The Suspicious Resistance. The Unexpected Sacrifice. The Diversion. The Beginning. Separation. And my name's Meg. Hey, Meg. Hi, Meg. Welcome, Meg. We're so excited to have you. This is a thrill. <laughs> Before and we dive into the book, what is the deal with you and the Animorphs? Did you read them growing up? Yeah, so I got into them at first at the Scholastic Book Fair. Just yes, nice. me too. Yeah, getting yeah. a couple here and there. Uh, the only volumes I owned were, I think, numbers three through ten, and Cassie turning into the butterfly because that was <laughs> just absolutely nice. one of my favorites. It was um, the good best one. Yes. Choice. <laughs> But then I had a neighbor friend who had every single book. And Ooh. I took a couple weekends and just read them all. And no spoilers, because I know that we're not at the end of the podcast, but <laughs> I binge read Animorphs to the end. And I think that is the source of all of my negative emotions as an adult, because wow, the ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Get ready, Gray. I can't wait for when the time when the Elemist snaps his finger and resets everything, which is what I think happens at the end. Meg, don't tell me if I'm wrong. I thought we decided that it was going to be a double wedding. Uh, no, that, that later. was Gray's theory. Oh, okay. That's, first all right. of all, that's not my theory. But also, even if there is one, it'll be like 20 years later after oh, everything okay. is reset. So the Elemist puts right. everything back, and yeah. then we jump 20 years. Gray doesn't want them to have, have a double, double wedding. wedding when they're all 17. I really don't. You know, that's reasonable. Thank you. <laughs> So have you reread them as an adult, Meg? I have. I reread them about probably five or six years ago, and I have listened to several other Animorph podcasts from start to finish. Whoa, nice. Um, Ooh, tell us about those. Because we've been holding off on um, listening to them, but mm -hmm, I've heard mm -hmm. good things. My favorite is The Morph Club by uh, Meg Brennan oh, yeah. and Carrie Peach. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to one called The Fandalites. Um, uh -huh. Those are the two I like the most because I waited till they had read the whole series and because you know <laughs> it's a modern it's a modern day of binging so wait week to week for the content I want to consume <laughs> no ridiculous. ridiculous yeah yeah <laughs> right well we'll let you know when our podcast is wrapped up okay. <laughs> don't listen to works in progress I'll listen to it now <laughs> but yeah um, but we're flattered that you would listen before it's over. <laughs> I have always really loved the Animorphs. I was one of those kids where I'm like, I'm a big kid. I can read stuff that's serious. I want to read books where people get hurt and like people fight. And yet they're still kind <laughs> of okay by the end of each book. So it's really not like, you know, we, we yeah. I'm right. sure you guys have talked about the amount of gore in Animorphs. Um, uh -huh. even though, like all these really awful things happen. We sort of get the reset button with the morphing itself, which lets all these right. really yeah. horrific things happen. But the kids are okay by the end of most of each book. Yeah, and right. the degree to which they're not okay is, like, more age-appropriate than, mm -hmm. you know, than it could be. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you read them? I was 11. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a classic age for it. Yeah. I was 11, 12, that, that kind of space. I'm reading them for the first time as an adult, so I don't have any of the nostalgia factor that goes into some of these, some of the books. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, Ted and I tend to have, like, similar books that are like, this is our favorite book, and this is our second favorite book, and Gray <laughs> definitely is coming at it with a very different perspective. Nice. 
Did you have any like favorite characters or are there other things? Uh, so I mean, it's Rachel. Perhaps Rachel. It's Rachel all <laughs> okay. the way. I also really love any book from Axe's point of view. Oh, mm-hmm. he's very funny. Because it's just, it's comedy gold from start to finish. And now every time I see a Cinnabon, I always think, what would make me go berserk in a public place? And just <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I really, really love the, I don't know if we've covered it yet. I can't remember the order, but when he's in the mall and he gets quote-unquote a job at Cinnabon because he's just so hungry and like the manager takes pity on him because he thinks this boy is just I don't know maybe from a lower income family or just down on his luck but it's like no Axe just wants Cinnabon (laughs) right you can eat one and he eats one tray (laughs) yeah you know human language is ambiguous Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. just out of curiosity do we think that Axe's approach to the world makes him the meme-worthy precious cinnamon too good for this world cinnamon (laughs) bun too good for this world so there are memes with the uh the animorphs and cinnamon buns and it's usually uh you know tobias is the cinnamon bun and axe will eat the cinnamon bun i see yeah that makes a lot of sense actually all right i'm i'm with you on that well axe definitely thinks he's too good for this world Not in in the way the meme suggests, but you know, he's got that classic Andalite arrogance, which is one of the things that makes it so funny is he's like, yes, I am perfectly presenting as human. And we're like, you're eating cigarette butts (laughs) off the floor of the movie theater. (laughs) There's so much great dramatic irony in Axe's books. Like that's one of the best things. Mm -hmm. Like what he thinks is happening and what we can tell is happening. Just totally different. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Expectations versus reality. So Rachel was your favorite. Rachel, what my did you favorite. like best about her? Well, I also took gymnastics when I was very young. I didn't quite oh, stick into nice. it like Rachel, but her book, which is either volume two or volume three, I think she's volume two with the cat. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. That one just really got to me. Plus, I also really liked that she got to be tough. She got to be mean. Yeah. Like she was the girly girl, but she also mm-hmm. had a lot of rage that ended up being really beneficial to her. And Man, this is so the perfect book to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I just really loved her confidence as well. Mm-hmm. Something that when we get into this book, when a boy compliments her and she's like, yeah, <laughs> I know. And he's like, what? <laughs> I mean, uh, and she's like, tell me something I don't know. And he's like, you have a terrible attitude. And she just sasses him I back. I love Rachel I, so much. Uh, <laughs> now you know the so difference great. between good looks and a good personality. Like, I, I love Cassie. And, like, Cassie's really sweet and kind and stuff. But she and I disagreed on some things where, mm. you know, each of the kids have their different motivations. But she's, like, helping the earth over helping people. Mm-hmm. So, like, the first arc, when each kid gets their first book, it's each of them deciding what they're going to fight for in this war and why they're fighting this war oh yeah yeah Yeah. and rachel had you know that personal connection to melissa her friend is hurt the yurks hurt this specific person and rachel like really connected and empathized with that and she's like i don't want any other people to feel like that Mm -hmm. and cassie which is still very reasonable she's like the earth like the yurks are destroying this planet which i love and i want to protect and i want to fight for that and for me i was like yeah but but human people just didn't speak to you the same way yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, I kind of feel like that about Cassie sometimes. Like, I love a lot of the way she approaches things. But I'm like, okay, I know you feel bad about the termite, but, like, it's it's a termite. It is, yeah, yeah. But Cassie's book with Aftran, I think, is some of the best writing in the whole oh, series. so good. I know. Yeah, no, that's Ted's advice. <laughs> like, both of our, like, number one book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of which, uh, how did we feel about this book? Great. How did you, what do you think of this book? Um, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> 
You guys, so I don't know how much we're keeping of the... Should I say that I read it? <laughs> so, so everyone, just so you know, at the end of our last recording session, we had Gray just read the first few chapters of this book, and we caught her reactions. So here is a short excerpt of Gray's unfiltered reactions to book 32. What? They're doing what? Why do they... How do they... Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is the... Oh my god. <laughs> you are on a field trip. There are people... What the- Oh, that's so gross. What the hell? <laughs> what? What, what? What is happening? Is this all a dream? Port bias. Oh my god. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, some black leather. That was it. Leather. I'm so... What is happening? Where did the knives go? <gasps> There's clothes. There's clothes. Because she got like, cut in half. There are what? knives on. Did the two, two halves became two Rachels? Oh my god. <laughs> so that was amazing. Thank you for those reactions, Craig. You're welcome. What did you think about it after you read the whole thing? What a bizarre book. <laughs> It's just truly bizarre. I mean, it's great. I don't think this is the best Rachel book, but it continues a lot of the themes of 22. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the themes we've seen from Rachel throughout the series. And I really enjoyed the ways that Rachel learned about herself through Mm -hmm. this book. But also, it was so, so bizarre. What do you think, Meg? So when I first read this book as a kid, I'm like, oh, yeah, good twin, evil twin. And then as I'm reading it as an adult, it's just like, oh, some traits, other traits. And yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting that like each of them had pieces that made up the whole Rachel. And it wasn't like, I think evil Rachel at some point mentions, oh, we can just send, sorry, are we calling them good and evil Rachel? Should we give them? <laughs> I think they're a nice, nice Rachel and mean Rachel. I think that's, that's what the book calls them. But what about yeah. mighty Rachel and wimp Rachel? <laughs> Maybe it should be mighty Rachel. Rachel and nice Rachel. Like, they each get to set their own name. Okay. Um, so Mighty Rachel is like, we can just send nice Rachel to school. But that's obviously, like, not going to work in that there are some parts of Rachel that I think even the other kids really bump on. But you need mm-hmm. her to have all of these parts working together to be the Rachel that we really need. Oh, yeah, definitely. We should definitely tell people what happened in this book before we get too far into it. Yes. Right. But, like, Jenny, what was your take? Um, this book is hilarious and I loved it. Yeah, it was so funny. I'm so not really sure how yeah. I feel about it or how good I think it was. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. You know, Most of my notes are just like, ha 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 ha, or this is the funniest thing that's ever happened, or I love mean Rachel, or I love nice Rachel, or like, it's... Yeah, I feel like I haven't I had processed a lot of, a lot of my reactions about yet. It, but, but Ted, I think it is your turn to tell us what happened in this book. Great. I'm so, so excited. I did not prepare it. for this summary at all, but that's, I'll keep it to 60 seconds or Naturally. Less. Yeah, because like, I don't think this book is plot important at all. No, But, no, it's no. So but we should at least tell people fun. the premise. Yeah. Yeah, so in this book, Rachel is on a field trip, a school field trip at the beach, and... Uh, She goes off exploring on her own and loses an earring in a tide pool and impulsively decides she's going to morph a starfish to get the earring back because it's, you know, from her dad and it's it's special and she's bored. Um, (laughs) So she manages to morph the starfish without getting noticed, recover the earring, but before she can demorph, she gets chopped in half by (laughs) a bratty little kid with a shovel on the beach. And so... Rachel demorphs and then in the next chapter she demorphs again and what you come to realize has happened is that Rachel the starfish was cut into two equal pieces and it demorphed separately into two versions of Rachel that have different aspects of Rachel's personality. 
So one of them is a mean Rachel, or as she refers to herself, mighty Rachel, who has all of Rachel's courage, short-term focus, and bloodlust and rage, and confidence. Yeah. And the other Rachel is nice Rachel, who is more pro-social, very fearful, and also is a good strategist or long-range planner, is able to kind of think things through. But since she can't focus, she's also a bit of an airhead. And nice Rachel also has a sense of duty and loyalty down deep beneath her, her cowardice. So the first third of the book, you get alternating perspectives of nice Rachel and mean Rachel. The reader isn't really aware of what's going on, but nice Rachel is hanging out with Cassie and goes to the mall and another girl bullies her and makes her cry. And Cassie's like, what have you done with Rachel? Who are you? Mean Rachel goes off flying with Tobias and gets really high on being an eagle and attacks a fish and eats its heart while it's still alive. And Tobias is like, Rachel, what's wrong with you? And the Anwarfs get together at one of their meetings in Cassie's barn and both Rachel show up. And they're able to figure out what has happened and that they're in the situation where there are two Rachels. Axe is like, I have, like, we have no idea, like, what, <laughs> what even is happening here. There's maybe some thought that there's a way out of this problem, but Eric the Chi also shows up to say, hey, urgent plan, you guys have to deal with this thing the Yurks are doing. The Yurks are developing an anti-morphing ray. And the Animorphs need to get in on the ground floor and stop it before it can be used in battle against them. So even though the Animorphs are like, we don't really want to work with either Mean Rachel because she's a loose cannon. And we don't want to work with Nice Rachel because she's afraid of morphing and literally anything that sneezes at her. And I guess so they're like, we don't want to work with either of you. So you guys stay out of our mission. We're going to go and and destroy the anti-morphing ray. Uh, Unfortunately, Mean Rachel does not listen to them. She shows up. They try and infiltrate this facility to get their hands on the prototype and destroy it. But Mean Rachel messes up the plan. Uh, So the Yerks are able to move on to the next stage of their plan, which is to transport the anti-morphing ray somewhere else. And they're going to do it by creating a diversion where there are three identical trucks moving in three different directions. So the Animorphs didn't want to work with the Rachels. But they don't want anyone to go off on a mission alone. So there are six Animorphs. One of the Rachels has to come. Uh, So they decide to knock out Mean Rachel and kind of coerce Nice Rachel into coming along. And uh, she buddies up with Jake. And they happen to be the ones who follow the truck that the actual anti-morphing ray is in. They manage to get to the Yurk facility. It turns out the Yurk's... When the truck arrives, the Yurks gas the truck to catch any Andalite bandits that might have smuggled themselves in. So Jake and Nice Rachel in Roachmorph are captured and put into bottles. But Mean Rachel has woken up and has followed them to this location. So she morphs a hork and infiltrates the facility, murders the three hork that are guarding the bugs that have been gassed, and unknowingly frees Nice Rachel and Jake. Uh, Nice Rachel demorphs. Jake is stepped on by Mean Rachel and sticks around on the bottom of her foot for the rest of the book. (laughs) And the two Rachels realize that Visser 3 uh, has arrived. And Visser 3 is like, oh, I've caught... 
he thinks he's only caught one Andalite bandit, but he's like, I've, I've caught one of you, and now I'm going to leave you in this death trap until you surrender. And so the Rachels are left, and they both believe that they're alone, and the Jake isn't there, and they talk to each other, and, you know, they've been, there's been this conflict brewing between them the whole book, where Mean Rachel gives the orders, and always wants to kill everyone, including Nice Rachel, and wants to assert herself as the dominant Rachel, and Nice Rachel's like, oh, what can I do, you know, how can I, I have this duty to fight, but I don't have the courage to do it, I'm, I'm never going to be as good as, you know, Mean Rachel at, at stuff. And in this situation, they come to realize that they need each other. And they develop a plan where nice Rachel morphs a Hork-Bajir and says, okay, okay, come in, I'll let you take me over. Mean Rachel morphs a fly, flies into Visser 3's ear, and says, if you do not let us both escape, I will demorph inside your head and kill us both. And Visser 3 says, nope, I will let you free. I'm going to let you go. The Rachels escape go off into the woods, and they're like, now what? Jake appears and says, guys, I was testing you. I wanted to prove that you needed each other. And so they go through with Axe's scheme to get one Rachel, one unified Rachel back, which is to have them acquire each other at the same time, be electrocuted by Eric while they morph into each other, thus creating one Rachel. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's about what happened. That was pretty good, yeah. yeah that was a good um, So do we think that Rachel has her own DNA now? Can she morph herself? Do we want to start there? <laughs> no, probably mean? not. <laughs> yeah, so when she's but is she now a Rachel Nothlet? Like I'm, I'm very confused. I know I'm a little concerned. I can't do the rest like of the podcast old, because be my brain more. just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if she morphed herself, you would think that then she would have to demorph before two hours are up. I mean, there's a lot that doesn't make sense, right? There's a whole lot that doesn't make sense. Okay, I love that this is a classic sci-fi trope, though. I mean, it's, of course, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which they reference in the book. But there's also a Star Trek original series episode where, like, the exact same thing happens. Obviously not because of a starfish. There's, like, a transporter malfunction. There are two Captain Kirks. And one of them is, like, you know, the nice version, but who doesn't have any of the, like, strength of decision-making or leadership or confidence. And the other is the mean version who does terrible things but has sort of this necessary, like, backbone that Kirk needs to lead the ship. And he ends up recognizing that, like, oh, we need each other. And then they get remerged yeah. by the transporter. And to be clear, this was directly lifted from that original series. Star Trek oh, yeah. He, very clearly. Do you know that, like... I know that for a fact. Oh, okay. Yes. They said that. Apple Grant has said. Yeah. <laughs> Did, did they also perhaps mention that there's similarly a Sweet Valley High <gasps> evil twin uh, plot that happens? Well, they are already are twins. Yes, there's another twin that but shows a up. Third twin. Evil. Wait, <laughs> a triplet. I would like to point out that these. Books Wait, but was this Sweet Valley High or Sweet Valley Twins? It was Sweet Valley High. Did they do twins? Okay. They I think twins. they did twins, <laughs> okay. but they probably are familiar with High. Because I was trying to, I, as I was going through, it's like there has to be a Sweet Valley Twins. Or what what happens to make a third twin? So I read the Bustle article about this. So uh-huh. <laughs> to summarize. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. A person shows up who looks like Jessica and Elizabeth. Huh. And it turns out that she is, she's not their actual twin, but she looks just like them. And so she decides that the only, she's very jealous because they have this perfect life. Uh-huh. So the only possible solution is for her to murder one of the twins and take their place. <laughs> Naturally. And then later, there's a whole plot and they think she's dead. And then many books later, she comes back and it turns out she also also had a twin, so now there are four what? of them. <laughs> <laughs> She's just very identical strangers. 
Yeah, it's a, I, that would be amazing. I actually love that. Really bananas bad. <laughs> I never read any of those books, but. There's also, there's a Buffy episode where they do this with Xander, mm. and it's like competent Xander and bumbling Xander. Yes. <laughs> but I think that was after this book was written. But the it's zipper. it's such it's such a classic. No, the Zeppo is different. Oh, wait, you are right. You are right. Oh, no. <laughs> the Buffy fans are going to come after me. <laughs> But yeah, that's right. We'll give them your address. No, no, they don't know our last names. They don't know where we live. It's too dangerous. So classic sci-fi trope. Yeah, and when we were asking you in the mailbag, when Ted asked you like what sci-fi tropes are going to come up, I was like, I hope she thinks of this random Star Trek episode, but I know she won't. I will not. I did not watch the original series, but it is a great way to explore character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was a great book of exploring character. Yeah, so this was uh this was quite the direct look at what we've been talking about with Rachel's character, where. Yeah, she has this sort of darkness growing inside her, and now uh, now it's come out, and it's a separate person, and it's real disturbing. There are two wolves living inside of you. One of them likes knives and leather jackets. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you give it knives and a leather jacket, it will become stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I thought was interesting, nice Rachel says this, but she talks about how the worst horror was seeing what had grown inside me like some kind of cancerous yeah. tumor. Mean Rachel was getting stronger with each passing month of my life as an animal. Pretty soon she would have become all of me and there would have been nothing left of me. And I thought that was really interesting because mm. I don't know how true that is. It, well, because Mean Rachel says something similar about like, it was like having a tumor cut out of you, like this weakness had been growing inside of me and now it was finally gone and I was free. Mm-hmm. And I think they're both a little bit unreliable narrators in this mm. about their own psychology but like mean Rachel seems to think that the weakness was growing that's mm-hmm. interesting well what I think is so interesting is that like neither of them I feel like the books say okay well mean Rachel has the confidence and the bloodlust and the tactical ability mm-hmm. and nice Rachel has the like a healthy sense of fear or like maybe an unhealthy sense of fear with no way to control yeah, it yeah. and is pro-social and has the strategic ability and they, they try and say like and these are like yin and yang and must come together and form the perfect whole but mm-hmm. each of the Rachels once they are separated is like totally driven by their emotions mm-hmm. and like they're both very reactive and they, they lose a lot of agency without mm-hmm. the other one. So I feel like the way that it reads is not like, oh, they've become two separate people who need each other. But it's like whatever thing has stricken them is like leaving them. I don't know. They're, they're such caricatures. Oh, yeah. They're not full people. They're not full yeah. people. Yeah, that's definitely true. So it's I guess it's like I buy narratively that, you know, you have to sort of trick them into wanting to rejoin for that to work. But, like, rationally, it's sort of... Uh, yeah, there's never any real question of, like, one of them surviving and not the other. Exactly. Yeah. Right, exactly. what's interesting, too, about what you just said that I hadn't thought of was in their divided state, they both are driven by emotions, which means that neither of them actually gets the kind of rational Rachel brain. Exactly, yeah. And it's not that she's, you know, always the... Well, I thought they each got half of it. Like, one of them got sort of the immediate rational Rachel brain and the other got the sort of long-term one. But you're right, their decisions, like, that they were able to think about the situations either immediately or long-term, but, like, their goals were very... It's like, but, like, that's almost like a thinking ability, but they both lack the executive function Mm -hmm. of, like, making a choice and, like, sticking to it, right? Mm -hmm. They're both, they're reacting to the circumstances they find themselves in. Yeah, and I feel that the kids have all been pointing out, the other kids have been pointing out, oh, yeah, Rachel's getting meaner, like, Rachel's really changing, and it's almost like Mighty Rachel coming out is, like, the rest of the team's worst fear coming true Mm -hmm. that, you know, she's going full David. 
And what are we yeah. going to do if like one of there us goes strong David? David. Yeah. Um, right. But the thing is, it's not just mean Rachel. Nice Rachel is also the worst of David, right? Because oh, you're David, so right. David both did the I'm a bird and I'm going to kill other animals. And I'm like, I'm like, basically, I, he also had like the bloodlust, rage, like desire to hurt people and like that type thing. Right. And then David also had the, I'm going to give up the game. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm afraid of Turn morphing. Morphing is gross and scary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just need to get out of here. So he like, both Rachels are bad in the same way David <laughs> was bad, which is really interesting. Yeah. So, and I really liked when Jake Lamb shaded that. Right, so oh yeah, he brings it up. He mm-hmm. does. So at the end, they're trying to control me and Rachel, and and Jake flat out says to her, "Let me remind you of something, Rachel. We've been through this before. David had morphing powers, and he attacked the group. He's a nothlet now, trapped in the body of a rat on that godforsaken little pimple of a rock out in the ocean." Oof! Yikes! And like they haven't actually brought up that to that level of specificity mm-hmm. ever since Book Twenty Two. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So one of the things that I wanted to bring up is actually the other Animorphs, because in book 31, there were a couple places where they made these assumptions about Rachel and what decisions mm. she was going to oh, make yeah, she'd and what vote she would with say. Jake you know, on this. Yeah, yeah, she's just going to want to go for it. She has no fear. And at the time, I found that a little bit frustrating because I think that that loses some of the nuance of Rachel. Mm-hmm. And after this book, I don't want to hear that again. Because they have seen both of her personalities. Mm-hmm. They have seen these two halves. And that the fact that Rachel can go into these situations, even though nice Rachel lives inside her all the time, mm-hmm. is a real testament to her abilities. But I also, I just don't want to hear it again about, oh, well, she just want, wants to go for it and has no fear and like mm-hmm. isn't worried about the ramifications. She is. You met yeah. nice Rachel. She was very annoying. Well, that's but... a really good point because... They're, the Animorphs all meet nice Rachel first, and they're like, Rachel's broken. Like, what's wrong with her? Uh-huh. And then, like, mighty Rachel is the one who acts more outwardly like Rachel. It's just, like, mm-hmm. the fact that she is constantly trying to punch people and, is, like, has... She's oppositionally defiant, right? It's like, yeah. she will not take a single, yeah. like, suggestion. So, like, nice Rachel is it. normally sort of reigning mean Rachel in, but mean Rachel is the one who does, whose yeah. reactions most often get to the other well, like, Okay, so where's Rachel's protectiveness, right? Like, that, Ooh. that's one of the most important racially things. And I feel like... Well, it's possible her protectiveness is made up of her sort of courage and confidence and aggression plus her caring about other people. But I'm not sure that nice Rachel actually cares about other people. She feels, Mm, she keeps using the word like obligation Obligation. towards Tobias and Mm -hmm. like she seems... She does say she likes Tobias, but it doesn't seem like she feels a strong compulsion to like she doesn't right. go and she does that. have that duty I, I guess but i don't yeah. think the duty and the protectiveness are the same well like thing. there's that mm-hmm. scene where where cassie gives nice rachel the option to go to the meeting or to go shopping and she's like really uh-huh. watching her to see what she says and nice rachel's like i should probably go to the meeting because that's what you want me to do and i should you right know, i should do that uh, that so she, she definitely does, has the duty Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she, but it is unclear. Yeah, like where is her protectiveness in this? Yeah, I feel like I read that more as like she knows what other people want from her and uh-huh. feels like uh, pressure to do that. But that's mm-hmm. different than like like Rachel would be like, of course we're going to the meeting, right? She wouldn't even have to think about it, right? It's not like normal Rachel doesn't care at all what other people think about her. She already knows what's oh. right and what's wrong, right? That's a really good point. That is true. Nice Rachel did seem to care at least somewhat. Like, she's, like, she got all upset when, like, the other girls on the bus, like, weren't being nice to her. Right. I mean, I do think it's it's an interesting claim that 
the things about her that are virtues are only like virtues if you have all of the pieces. Mm-hmm. Like mean Rachel is not actually courageous. Like you can't mm-hmm. be courageous if you don't have any fear to overcome. Like that's what courage is. Mm-hmm. So she like mean Rachel just doesn't have any fear. And so she just goes off and does all sorts of stuff. Like it's not a virtue unless the fear is there. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why there's, like, nothing good about either half of Rachel. (laughs) Well, I think there's – it's interesting. I was listing out their characteristics, Mm -hmm. and it really did feel like nice Rachel got a lot of the good parts of Rachel, Mm -hmm. but because they were buried under this level of fear and self-doubt, they couldn't really come out. Whereas me and Rachel doesn't really have any of Rachel's good qualities. Mm -hmm. All Mm -hmm. she has is the veneer that Rachel puts on of anger and violence. Or not veneer, but the but sort of the way that she feels she has to be mm-hmm. violent in order to protect the people around her. And I thought it was interesting that that was the division. Was like yeah. one of you, them got all the virtues, and the other did not really get any. One of the things that I've heard said about courage is like courage is every virtue at the testing point, and if you don't have courage, you can't have any other virtues. I don't know if that's exactly true, but like it does seem to play out with Rachel here, where like. Maybe she cares about other people, but she is about to give up the Animorphs to someone she doesn't know isn't a controller because she's afraid. Yeah. That's interesting what you said about courage being a combination. Going back to Rachel's protectiveness. Mm-hmm. So like evil Rachel, you look at her even sideways and she'll just about get ready to kill you. And then we talked about yeah. how like nice Rachel has sort of this sense of obligation and like the loyalty, I guess, to the group, that it would be a combination of that that would make Rachel completely jump on someone in behalf of protecting someone else. Right. We just didn't see. Yeah. No, but we don't see the loyalty to the group in nice Rachel because she doesn't have the, and I will do stuff because Mm -hmm. of it. And so it's not just like Rachel that's a combination, but some of these traits may also have separate pieces that have gotten split up from each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. I really love the ways in which Rachel herself as nice and mean Rachel mm-hmm. thinks about these yeah. two aspects of her personality. So uh, nice Rachel at one point says Rachel's actions. It's not all mean Rachel. I was there too. I being mm-hmm. nice Rachel. I'd been scared. It was just that mean Rachel had gotten us past it. She'd made us brave with a mixture of courage and recklessness and desperation and insecurity. And there had been insanity too. Something down deep inside that was dark and hard and cruel which is nice Rachel kind of thinking about what mean Rachel allows her to do. But then mean Rachel has something similar where she talks about how it takes a little while for her to kind of get there, right? It takes Jake pointing it out. But Jake tells her, to be a warrior, you need to be able to plan to have healthy capacity for fear and, by the way, a sense of duty. And that's just a really nice way of kind of them thinking about what they mean to one another. It is really disturbing, though, seeing, like, mean Rachel isn't made up of anything that wasn't in Rachel. Mm -hmm. And the things that she does and says and wants in this book are really intense. Like, she... Like, she lunges at Marco to kill him. When everyone tries to stop her, she grabs Tobias, gets her hand around his throat, and is like, sorry, my love, but you're a predator. You understand. Like, she wants to depose Jake and, like, be the leader of the Animorphs. She wants, like, like we've talked about the bloodlust. She just, like, wants to destroy. And I don't know. It, it definitely made me think about, like, 
okay, all of the choices that all of us make every day are like, you know, there's the whole like id superego, like that model of the brain and like all the things are just like, well, I would like to do this, but you don't even get very far thinking in that direction because you're like, oh, but here are the reasons I shouldn't. Here are the reasons I wouldn't even want to. <laughs> I also, I like that Mean Rachel has Rachel's sense of righteousness. Like the way that she Aww. thinks about it is like, because it's like she still has that black and white thinking where uh-huh. a wrong has been committed, mm-hmm. but the only tool that Mean Rachel has is violence, <laughs> right? And so, like, it kind of makes sense mm. with the Rachel that we know and love is yeah. like now that she has access to violence as an answer, she's like, okay, well, resolving things di- in other ways is actually much harder. But I know that this person <laughs> is wrong and deserves violence, and I can I can always feel good about choosing that when my enemies. You're are right. She the only Yerks. has. We've talked about Rachel being someone you know when you have a bear morph, everything looks like something that needs to be slashed with your claws and that is very much what's happening with with mm-hmm. me and Rachel right mm-hmm. I really was amused by the I was thinking about when you were talking about that I was thinking about when she she demorphs and she's like oh that was so terrible and it's me and Rachel and she's like whose fault was it it was Bailey's fault and she's like Bailey I'll kill you and then she's like it occurred to me that maybe killing Bailey was an overreaction but still it would teach him a lesson <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's just that she only has the one weapon. She knows that a wrong has been committed. (laughs) And Rachel, mean Rachel, is the one who would never go over to the Yerks, whereas Mm, nice mm -hmm. Rachel doesn't have that that sense of righteousness. So she's like, well, I'll just... Yeah, she has duty, but not righteousness. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'll tell my dad about the Yerks, and then maybe he can help me. Right, and and the whole time, she is kind of, she's about to give up the, the Animorphs to her dad, but... The duty part of her is like, no, you shouldn't do this. But she can't quite, like, Mm -hmm. she's not listening to that part of herself. Yeah, the sense of duty didn't actually seem to be very effective. Right. Well, yeah, they describe it. It's Narratively, it's very much like, oh, secretly, nice Rachel has the, like, this one personality trait that will allow her to fix the problem, right? Like, Yeah, I think it was pretty much how they would, the only way they would be able to get her to go on a mission. Mm-hmm. She needs yeah. some quality that's going to allow her to yeah. do that. But so what do you guys think about the, it really jumped out at me again when you were reading that bit about nice Rachel thinking about mean Rachel. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that mean Rachel is really this kind of like over the top, joker-esque like representation of a maniacal mad person in Mm -hmm. the like is rachel sick in some way is she insane deep down like do we buy that as a metaphor you want to know how i got these morphs right (laughs) 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 that's amazing well that's awesome oh man but like I don't like that because I sort of feel like everyone has either something's wrong with Rachel or everyone has a mean Rachel inside of them. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I don't necessarily buy her being singled out with this problem. Well, so she asks that question. She's like, if my friends were split, I I assume this is nice Rachel thinking this, mean Rachel would never get this far in a thought. Um, Like, yeah, if they were split, what would they become? Did Jake have a mean Jake inside him? Oh, yes, definitely. That I I 100% agree with. Jake she, has like a she cold, says Axe does also. Logical, frightening. Yeah. Like, the Jake split would just, he would be complete black and white morality. And yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Do you think that mean Jake would be violent in the way that Rachel is? Because yes. we did see that in 31, yes. where he was like ready to They're very similar. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. It's in the family. What would nice Jake be like? He just he really loves basketball. basketball, yo. And he just like want to play some b ball out on the court. He wants to hang around with his family. He He wants to like have normal dinners. I think I think he would be like your like 
he would be like he would still be a leader, but he would be kind of like the really ineffective manager that gets oh, like no. bossed around by oh, no. the people that works for him. He'd be like okay so it's just really important that everyone's like nice and positive right <laughs> guys we're definitely going to beat the yurks like that's kind of i guess he would also be fearful it hasn't been quite a thing for him in his books to the extent it has been yeah. for rachel but i can imagine nice jake would be all guys it's all right we're definitely gonna die but we're gonna do it together <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I bet all of his ability to like read people and respond to what they need would be in, in Nice Jake. And I mean, it would be a lot like the petty dictator in Megamorphs 3, mm. right? Right, right, right. You know, nice Jake would be, he'd just be like a therapist, but he would not, he would not help. <laughs> he'd be like an overly like hesitant and cautious therapist. Right. How, okay, so she says Axe would also have that. Yeah, what do we think Axe's house would be? This is like the best game, incidentally. I love this. Wait, no, before we go on, though, but is Petty Dictator Jake, is he insane? Is he, like, like I why is... I think if someone is... disobeyed his... Okay, insanity... Yeah, I don't know about insanity as a metaphor. I mean... Because this is like, it's like a little bit of a redux of 17. It's like... And it is also, like, Rachel is, doesn't have all of her executive functions. She is, like, not neurotypical in this. Like, she's, right. like, in this book, right. she, like, well, is... Her... Yeah, her like brain mentally chemistry. Damaged. Her brain chemistry yeah. has literally been split in half. Doesn't, so like she's yeah. she's missing. It doesn't make any yeah, it doesn't make any sense to really make an analogy to like yeah. a normal full human being's like mental health. Right. Yeah. I guess maybe I'm trying to say I I want to keep playing the what if we split the other animals yeah. thing, but I'm trying to figure out what bothers me about this. Yeah. I think it's like like what is the book trying mean? to say that having like sadistic tendencies makes you crazy or inhuman in some way it seemed to me like it was trying to say that like humans have these parts of us that are not ruled by logic and morality and like but like i couldn't tell if it was all people or if it was like a really like rachel is specifically a dangerous person because she has this edge that other people don't have and like I, I know it's just, like, one character, yeah. and it's obviously, like, a science fiction book. But, like, I don't know how I feel about sorting her into a bucket where it's, like, right, you know, Rachel, yeah. you have something wrong with you. Like, people, yeah. like most people don't get off on, you know, putting a fork in someone's ear. Right. And, like, saying that that's something inherent to her and not based on her experiences or some other kind of thing. Yeah, that was where where my dislike for some of this came is just I don't see Rachel like that. and. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like it when the other Animorphs kind of put that on her because I think it's easy to do given the role that she has in the group. I think it's not supported by her books. It's interesting. It's the opposite of Cassie, mm-hmm. right? Because in Cassie, we see her incredible competence in the other books. Or I guess maybe it is like Cassie. We see in, in other people's books, she has this incredible competence. And then in her books, she gets in her head a lot. And you mm-hmm. kind of see all that incision. And in Rachel books, for everybody else, they're like, that's just how Rachel is. Like, very two-dimensional. We'll just, you know, throw her at the problem and bear more. Mm-hmm. And then in her own books, you kind of see her grappling with that a little bit. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I like about Rachel books is you do get to see her grappling with this inner kind of core of darkness is what she calls it. My only thought here is, like Jenny said, if they are not entirely reliable narrators, then m- nice Rachel saying 
that deep down dark hard and cruel part of her she's not really understanding what she's saying there but mm-hmm. it's not insanity it's that she is tapping into an ability that we all have to a greater or lesser degree yeah you know based yeah I, I prefer to read it that way that's, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah I'm not sure what the books are saying I definitely I want to impose my view of it on it which yeah, isn't yeah. the same question yeah should we go back to what are the house? The game. So Axe, Rachel, nice Rachel says that Axe would, says neither of them might be as wild or out of control, but they had that same core of darkness, referring to Axe and Jake. Yeah, do we think Axe would have like like a cold-hearted Andalite warrior inside of him? Like, yeah, kill all Yerks kind of thing. So Rachel didn't have all of like this level of rage and aggression when the book started. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think if Axe were to split, he would lose like some of his softness and some of his literal humanity he's gained since he's been with the kids. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like if Axe split at this point in the story, one of them would just revert back to the really prideful, really space racist Axe that they met. And then the other one would be the sweet cinnamon bun boy. Yeah, the silly one. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. But like, how do you achieve the right balance between those characters? Because like, I guess it, with Hex it's weird because all other Andalites are just only the half that Axe <laughs> would revert to, right? That can't possibly be true. No, I know, but just, I don't know, You're just right. the way these books work. Yes. That's really interesting. I was thinking that, like, who would have Axe's, like, manic pleasure-seekingness? Oh, nice Axe would definitely mm-hmm. have that. It depends on how you cut the starfish, I guess. It's, it's but would that, <laughs> but would that, would nice Axe be a pacifist? a pacifist? I mean, he'd probably be fearful. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here to make these puns. <laughs> Everyone just looks at me funny when I do. <laughs> I'm, yeah, here. We say, uh, I'm here to support. Well, it's a good thing we can't. You, it's a good thing you, we Max. can't look at Max. So. <laughs> yeah, that's why you can make the puns. The maybe he would be the um, what, what we saw in the last book, the reluctant, not reluctant warrior, but the one who's like overly concerned with how he's treating prisoners and enemy mm. combatants. Oh, you mean the sense of like I was thinking that the sense of honor would go with the sort of. I think I think Axe would be it would be obedient Axe and like. <gasps> Like Whoa. id, uncontrollable id acts. I think that would be interesting. That would be fun. Right. Because he's like like fervently like, yes, my prince, I will do literally anything that you command <laughs> me to. I wonder if versus, that part, yeah. Versus like the like secret inner teen rebel acts who just like <laughs> mm-hmm. completely uncontrollable. That's a very different view than Rachel takes because she thinks he has the core of darkness, which I think might also be true because I think neither half that you just described would have that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think they both would. Okay. So so Cassie, Rachel says, Cassie, no. Or at least a split-screen Cassie would be this huge portion of nice and this tiny bit of rotten. So not true. I don't think that's true. Mean Cassie would be the scariest, like, self-righteous ice queen person you've ever imagined, (laughs) right? Is you just have no sympathy for people with wrong opinions. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right? yeah. She would yeah. already have killed Marco. Or no, because maybe you can't kill Marco. Right, 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 right. But, right. but she would just like... Yeah, I think that's right, that she would be... Her opinions would be so correct and her ability to read other people and manipulate them would be mm. so complete. <gasps> in her oh, my right. oh, my oh, God. Oh, my God. no. And the part with all the indecision and the self-doubt. Wait, okay, oh, this is, that would go to nice. This is... Now, this is what I want. I've definitely seen, like, some good what-if Animorphs AUs. Like, uh-huh. you know, like, oh, like, what if David had been there since the beginning? How would the yeah, war have gone yeah. type things? 
So now what I want is what if the Animorphs on day one are split into their nice and bad ones and as a team have to go forward? <gasps> they would fail so badly. I know, but it'd be so interesting to think about. Okay, but I also want this book rewritten with like every, every character. character. Yeah. Every character. Cassie's would be so Got fan fiction for days. This is great. Or like Cassie being split in like the situation from book 29. Like maybe not with the illness, um, but with like having to rescue Aftran and like face up to her prior decision and decide what to do with Aftran in yeah. the future. I want that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and Nice Cassie would be the more traditional heart, also the coward. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, she would be very much a coward. She'd have to get rescued a lot. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Marco next? Yeah, so Marco is not in Rachel's list. I don't know. She doesn't think about Marco here. Which is interesting because Nice Rachel thinks more about Marco than me, Rachel does, which is very funny to me. Oh, man. Nice Rachel thinks that Marco is cute, which means that that's a part of Rachel, and Marco knows that now, and... <laughs> Okay. Oh, poor Rachel. Wait, wait. I mean, do we want to get sidebarred into no, Nice Rachel's Marco, nice Marco. thirstiness? Because I have a lot to say about it. Oh, yeah. Let's nice talk about it Rachel. after. Nice Rachel loves everybody. Like, there's a moment in the barn where she's like, Jake's really cute, but he's my cousin. But, like, if he wasn't, <laughs> ooh. And I'm just like, so oh, my gosh. So, yep. We could talk about it now. <laughs> no, no, I want to do Marco. Nice okay. Marco mean Marco. Uh, thirsty Rachel later. Yeah, so nice Marco would get the sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marco has a lot of ruthlessness. Would it all go with mean Marco? Would What would nice Marco get? Well, I feel like mean Marco is incel Marco. Okay, so oh, here's the thing. No. I don't know. The question is what's left. Like, sense of humor... I think that one Marco would have the sense of humor, but the other Marco would have the confidence to say his jokes. So he's Oh no! <laughs> so he's just gonna say That's brilliant. The most random, nonsensical, nonlinear garbage and then go like, hey, hey. It's like, well, if there's two Rachels, then that means oh my God. hot dogs for lunch, right? Am I right? <laughs> like, this is no. What? This is like when David was like, free Willy's hungry. And you're like, that's not a joke. <laughs> Are you trying to make a joke? That is such a good point, Meg. I'm going to slam the Big Bang oh, no. Theory where he's just going to say nerds. He's just going to say the name of a pop culture thing and expect that to be a joke. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, you're right. And Nice Marco will like think of all these jokes and be like, oh, they probably wouldn't be funny. No, no I actually think, I think Nice Marco is incel Marco. He's, he's like oh, no. constantly friend zoned and like always trying, but oh, always no. like right. desperate, yes, desperate for but a girl has to no, like him. But knows that like deep down, like thinks it will never happen, that he's right, not. Right, right, right. And then the other, the other Marco, I think would be the one that you would get along with, but who is just like actually a really bad, selfish person. Yeah. I mean, they're both bad, yes. but like, I think yeah. that's how the personalities mm. would have to split. Ooh. And I bet, I bet me and Marco would get the long range planning in his, right. in his case. Or maybe maybe it's not maybe mean Marco isn't selfish. He's just hyper rational. Like he yeah. almost has no emotions. Oh, yeah. But he's just like, yeah. well, this is the thing that makes sense. The part yeah. that he tried to put in command in book thirty with right. his mom. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, because Rachel's sort of dark side is impulsive violence, and Marco's dark side is this long range, ruthless, cold planning. Yeah. So the last person Rachel says Rachel mentions. She says, as for Tobias. Uh, if you split Tobias into halves, you'd have what you already had, a hawk and a boy. Just like... Cute, but it's yes, kind of a... That's, it's a cop-out, yeah. right? It's a total cop-out. I also love it. Because I <laughs> love how they do out. the Tobias and Rachel. A like, hawk out, oh no. 
You can't see us rolling around, but believe me when I tell you we are. I'm not. Because I, I like how they parallel Rachel the and at the Tobias, end. in particular oh, at the end. Because it's so it's so good. Okay, so I'm just gonna read Let's do the thing I at the end. Very yes. much, and I think that this is a good it's it's a good enough segue that I want to do it now. So if you split Tobias in two, he would be what he is now, part of Hawk and part of Boy. But then at the end, Rachel has both of her halves have come together. And she says, I was me again for whatever that was worth. The coward was in me, the killer too, human and animal. I looked up, Tobias, half human, half predator. Our eyes met. Thanks, Cassie, I whispered, but Tobias? Yeah, let's go, Rachel, he said. The two of you and the two of me. Let's go. This has stuck with me so strongly. Like, I remember that this line from this book, like, I remembered, like, oh, yeah, she's a starfish. She gets split in two. There's some stuff with rage. And I remember this My this heart. My heart. I just, I love everything about that. I know it's, like, it doesn't really, if you think about it for more than 30 seconds. There's some stuff to talk about, a reduction of Tobias it. to, like, this one problem. But. I know. But also, like, I just believe that Tobias, this just came pouring out of his heart. Oh. It's not like he planned this line. Because no. he would have had plenty of time to think about it. He's just, like, he's speaking this great truth oh. about who they are. I love and this Tobias is why they're so such good partners for each other. They can recognize this, like, struggle with the parts of you that, like, you know, you feel like you should be ashamed of. You mm-hmm. don't know, like, which to choose. And Yeah. Oh. One thing I think that's interesting is that Tobias, and I don't know whether this is because he's in his hawk form or, or what, but Tobias has a much better relationship with me and Rachel. And Mean Rachel has a much better relationship with Tobias than Ice Rachel does. So Go on. Mean Rachel is the one who says, Tobias was a true warrior, the right sort of partner for me. Mm-hmm. She's also the point where she, um, as Jenny described earlier, like grabs him and is threatening him with bodily harm. And she goes, sorry, my love, but as a predator, you'll understand. <laughs> and and Tobias is more mad than scared. And I think even in that sense, he kind of trusts her regardless of what she's doing at that moment, which is a little bananas, but what, you know, you do you. <laughs> but then Tobias also says they're having this discussion about nice rituals like you guys don't even like me. Why would you like her? She's crazy. Tobias says, we're used to crazy. I mean, who else would, you know, care about someone like me? It takes a fairly crazy girl to like a bird boy. (laughs) Tobias. I also, I feel so bad for nice Rachel in that moment. I know. Because she's hanging out with her two, like, closest friends. And, like, Cassie accidentally calls her wimpy Rachel and cringes. (laughs) And she's just like, I just want the old Rachel back. Like, I'm sure you're a very nice person, but I do not (laughs) like you at all. It's, like, really, really devastating. Yeah, and it, it makes sense that the people who know her best would find it harder to take half of her that has really, like, you know, they can see the complete difference between this and, like, who she actually is. Mm-hmm. Not that it's a subtle difference. I mean, everyone can see the difference. But Yeah, I really liked this affirmation that, like, no, they like who Rachel actually is. They don't want this part of her taken away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's very, it's reductive, but I like the way that they... Build yeah, a relationship between Rachel and Tobias yes. in this book because I, mean, I, I, it I do think we've talked before about how like Tobias always has the same problem to deal with, and I don't think it's quite as clear cut as that. Like they do have him deal with like multiple things mm-hmm. in his books, but like the bird thing is such a big thing that it's always going to be a thing. And in this case, like the idea that like oh yes, his fundamental personality struggle, even if like within his human half he has these like divisions and conflicts, like the division between human and bird is just always going to be bigger. And one thing that this is making me think about is that like I feel like. Right, painting it with a really broad brush and saying it's bird Tobias, boy Tobias is different. I kind of feel like bird Tobias, the idea of being a predator, survival of the fittest, out on his own, independent, right? We haven't really, I think, talked about this a lot, but I feel like 
quote unquote mean Tobias is like the version of Tobias he pretends to be when he shows up to uh, the letter reading in 23 where he's like I'm this kid who nobody loves who like now I'm out on the street fending for myself and I you know I have to do what it takes to survive Mm -hmm. if you don't have any money for me I don't care and I'm leaving and like we don't see that version of Tobias or we see that version of Tobias who struggles with that come out through his bird issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems realistic to me that that's part of who he is given, you know... His background. His yeah. background. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if it would be more like, not hu- not just human and bird, but like sort of the wimpy human who lets himself get beat up and like the role he was playing in 23 where he like has gained sort of this like ability to be indifferent from his bird side. So like the bird side would be sort of lumped in with these human characteristics. I like that a lot. Right. And I think like nice Tobias is the one who wants people to love him, right? Like mean Tobias is the one who knows that can never happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh. So if you were split in two in a horrific starfish morph accident, Ooh, what of okay, your this traits, is good. Yeah, and so I'm not saying necessarily like you'll have a good side and an evil side, but what of your positive and negative traits would go into your different halves? Is this do we have to like limit this to one kind of activity like anamorphing, like podcasting, or <laughs> or I mean, you like would, general you would affect in our your life. whole life? I think right. Ooh. That makes it really. That makes it, it it's it's broad. It makes it hard to think about. I think that there there would definitely be a side of me that would get all of my desire for control and a side of me that would get all my desire for people to like me. Mm-hmm. And I think that those sides tend to blend pretty well in like leadership of creative activities and I think without them it would be horrible. <laughs> Nice. Like, if they were separate, it would be real bad. That's a good read, yeah. And I, obviously, I have many more traits, and I, you know, would have to think more about how they would divide, but hmm. how about you guys? I'm afraid that one half would get all of my motivation to do stuff, but the <sighs> other half would get my ability to do stuff. Oh, no! <laughs> so, like, I'd, I'd never get another episode done. I'd never get another drawing finished, and that is what I feel would happen to me. Mm, that's terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, like the like need to feel productive or the and the like ability to do those things yeah. <laughs> maybe go into different sides. Oh my god, that would be miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worry that nice gray would get all of my like anxiety and lack of self confidence and desperate need to please, mm-hmm. and I would hate her so much. <laughs> and then mean gray would get you know the shreds of confidence I have and probably my like. Competency in yeah. like a variety competency of things, and that would be like I, that person is is better at getting things done. But but would she want to get things done? Like for like because you do a lot of things for like supporting other people and like supporting groups of people. Yeah, she might get different things done. I, I guess that's probably true. I don't think I'd like nice cream. Poor nice cream. What about you, Ted? I don't know. So I think there's like one way that it could work would be maybe more along the like. Mark OE split is plausible for me. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking kind of there's maybe a version of me that is like thinks in the same kind of like, well, this is the this is the bright, clear line. This is what I have mm. to do to be successful or something. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is maybe the more like insecure people, people pleasing side, like kind of uh, even if something isn't good for me, if I think people will like me if I do it. Mm-hmm. then. Yeah, I'm wondering if I would get like a split between like my desire for recognition and like ability to do things that would then get recognized. No, but I mean, be terrifying. But uh, the I think that that's most people would read that story and say 
the ability to do stuff trumps that. You can be like you can produce great things in isolation without recognition, right? Well, yeah, but the the part of me that then wants to be recognized but can't actually do the things would be really in the worst position. Well, right, but they both have, you can't <laughs> if you balance it out so that one of you gets everything and the other one gets nothing, then that's okay. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, nice gray is very kind. <laughs> mean gray is not. That makes sense, right? Like, <laughs> but I mean, I think you know the reasons that I do some of the work that I do is just because I actually genuinely like people. Mm-hmm. It's not just yeah. that I want them to like me, but yeah, that I yeah. like them and I want to live my life in a very kind manner. Mm-hmm. And I worry that that would be separate from my ability to actually do things. Like yeah. my competency would be separate, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like playing board games. I have the like mm. Marco ability to manipulate people, but I don't because that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Huh. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you just thinking about the halves of you? Yeah, well, then I was thinking about board games. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Playing oh, yeah. board games One half of me, <laughs> The half of me that would, ha- would want to be in control of stuff would also be extremely competitive. Yeah, because my thing is that I play to lose board games. Oh. Because I grew up with an incredibly co- uh, competitive brother. Hi, David. Um, okay. And would just like lose on purpose so that he wouldn't get upset oh, about wow. not winning. And so even now I'll like win a board game and just not tell anybody that I scored more points than them because I'm learning so that's much not about fun. you. This explains so much. Except it also is like very annoying to play games with me because I'll pretend <laughs> like I am not good at them even though I am. And so I imagine that like Mean Grey would get all of the like, oh, I'll kick your butt in Bonanza. Don't even worry about it. And like Nice Grey would be like the, the person who would just want everybody else to win and try and make them yeah, happy. Yeah. And man, playing board games with me is real tough. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> Oh, no. Like, you know, for the Animorphs, it's like fighting a war against aliens. For us, it's all, board games. it all comes out. The knives <laughs> come out. I watch out for those. Speaking of knives. Oh, man. That whole I thing. love me and Rachel so much. I yeah. just, she's an amazingly fun character to follow around because yeah. her reactions to things are all delightful. It's so true. Bonkers. She goes to the mall. I mean, she just, she has all these like... They're like, get out of the way, I said politely. Right. Like, and these <laughs> these great like teenage screeds about like how all these other people are such losers and she's the only cool person and she wants her leather jacket and mm-hmm. then... Well, I like knives. How can you not like knives? This girl who's mean to nice Rachel and then gets assaulted by mean Rachel is like, what a, what a whirlwind. Of a time. What a day that person had. I can't believe no grown-ups stopped the whole knife interaction earlier. Well, there are security guards rushing in, but here's this, like, you know, young blonde girl walking out of the store. They don't stop her. Yeah. Uh, It's amazing, though. She's, like, holding, she's like, the 12-inch chef's knife was in my hand. So easy to plunge it into her heart. But, you know, I kind of liked this girl. She reminded me of me. So she takes handfuls of her sweatshirt, takes all the different knives, and, like, Buries the knives in her sweatshirt, like pinning her. And this girl is screaming. And then Rachel grabs the cleaver. I held it high in the air like I was going to slam it down in her head. Then I laughed. I pinched her cheek and tugged back and forth while she shook and quivered. I like you, I said. I really do. We could be friends. (laughs) But watch who you pick your fights with. Yeah, it's... I love being Rachel so much. Is there no security footage in this mall? There are no video footage in this entire universe. Yikes. (laughs) Yeah, that was a completely terrifying scene. This is before they reveal Nice Rachel and Mean Rachel. Mm -hmm. And so I was still like, I do not know what is happening. And this is the the last bit before it really, before the reveal really happens. And at the so easy to plunge it into her heart, I just all caps, 
oh my god, what is happening? <laughs> like, I'm so confused. I just, I love Mean Rachel's swagger. Mm. It's, yeah. it's so appealing in a protagonist. The bit from the moment when she goes flying with Tobias and is thinking <laughs> about how awesome flying is, and she thinks to herself, pure raptor. Pure rapture. And then she says, hey, Tobias, I just came up with this really awesome thing. Pure raptor. Pure rapture. Ha ha. Right. And she dives and gets the fish. And also when she comes into the barn and Marco says something snotty, she somersaults. Oh, yeah. Can you read this? It's It's amazing. Girl's a gymnast. Girl's a gymnast. It's impressive. That's right. She leaped, landed on her hands, flew through the air, and landed feet first against Marco's chest. So from the front of the barn, she like does a full-on handspring to land feet first. So it's cool. It's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer move. It's so cool. Also, this is... Marco is loving this. <laughs> oh, He's no. Like, oh, no. You're so right. Oh, that's terrible. He totally is. Oh, no. Yeah. And then because she, she lands like astride him on his chest, holding with her knees, pinning his arms. And then she's grabbing his hair and like threatening to punch him in the face. Yeah. I think fear and attraction probably live right next to each other in Marco. Yeah. Poor Marco. Well, yeah. I think because he wants to date nice Rachel for like the social status reasons, which we can talk about later. But I think his heart <laughs> lies with me and Rachel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. I will say, Nice Rachel is also a lot of fun. So (laughs) you get her talking like a valley girl the entire time, which is very interesting because we don't see a lot of that, like, linguistic pattern in these books. Mm -hmm. And so clearly it's something that Rachel has been exposed to. She could speak like that. Like, that is, like, a possibility that exists in her life, but she does not because that is not her personality. Mm -hmm. But then when she loses half her personality, she starts speaking like this with all the uptalk. And, like, totally. I did not know that that was a word that teenagers... Uptalk was a word that teenagers would use. I did not know the word at the time. I figured it out this time reading it. Yeah, because Marco, Marco says it. She said, yeah. He says, she's uptalking, Marco said, shaken. And I was like, how do you know that word? Okay. <laughs> do we think that Michael Grant wrote this entire book? Did anything <laughs> seem weird? Like, I just... I feel like the cartooniness mm. of especially Nice Rachel, the teenage girl, mm-hmm. it does... It feels really condescending in a little yeah. bit in a little bit of a way that's like aren't teenage girls the worst and yeah. i don't know yeah that I, might be true i, I sort of feel that. like it was written with very little sympathy for the type of girl that rachel is on the outside mm-hmm. right um, yes you're like right the a, type of girl a, people a might think she gymnast is who's into yeah. fashion who likes going to the mall which it's like it's kind of a crappy like i wouldn't necessarily to, jump to the conclusion that Catherine Applegate didn't have any of that internalized opinions. I think we internalize a lot. Yes. No, that's that's a very fair point. Well, it may not be on purposely read this way, but you were saying like internalized. I feel like Mean Rachel gets all of her internalized misogyny. That like, oh, I feel like our, our normal balanced yeah. Rachel has been like, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I'm a warrior, but I also really like going to the mall, even though that may still be yeah. considered girly. And I feel like mean Rachel got all of the hatred that society's programmed her to have about being a girl and enjoying yeah. girly things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that may so not true. have been a deliberate choice. That may just be the, the writer actually going off on teenage girls. But it's interesting that mean Rachel has that as such a berserker button. That's such an interesting like way to split it. Because I think that the reason that Rachel is able to push back against society's opinions about this stuff is because of, like, the mean Rachel part of her. Like, the part that's, like, tough and, like, like well, whatever. I don't care what other people think. And so it's funny that when she split, the part of her that is not okay with liking that stuff went with mean Rachel. 
Mm-hmm. But like, and so, but Nice Rachel has all of the like internalized domesticity, right? Like, mm-hmm. so we kind of, we've been calling her, me and Rachel's like really thirsty. She's really into everyone. No, but Nice Rachel's really thirsty. That's what I mean. Sorry. <laughs> nice Rachel's really thirsty. She's really into everyone. And it's like, oh, so cute. So cute. So cute. But I don't really read, it doesn't come across as attraction, especially mm-hmm. the way she talks about Tobias. It's like, I have an obligation to be with Tobias because like, you know, I need to have a boyfriend and like all these other, the cute guys. It's not like, oh, he's cute. I should date him because I'm supposed to like date people. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. do like that. It feels very much like society is telling her she has to be a certain way. And it's, I, I feel like there's nothing really lusty in her expressions of, oh, that boy's cute. That boy's yeah. cute. Yeah, you might be right. And that also makes the thing where she thinks Jake is cute, I would be dating him if we weren't related, less creepy. Because she's not actually attracted to him. It's just like, we're both attractive, popular kids. Mm -hmm. So if we weren't related, we would date. That is less creepy. Thank goodness we found something to make it less creepy. I do want to say something really quickly about the internalized misogyny, because I think we see that in the first chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, So before she split. Oh, yeah. Before she split, they're on a field trip to the beach. And a bunch of kids are, you know, running around the beach, whatever. Most of the boys went leaping about the rocks, and most of the girls moved cautiously in little herds of three or four. And that's her her initial distinction between kind of the groups of people there. And then she says, I moved away from the others. I don't do the gossip thing very well anymore. Sorry, but he said, what? Oh my god, no way. Just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, that's all girls say. Yeah. Exactly. That's all I say. Right. And it's just like this whole thing is... I think the beginning of it, it's obviously setting us up for Mean Rachel, Nice Rachel. Well, so is Mean Rachel Tomboy Rachel and Nice Rachel's Girl Rachel? Well, Mean Rachel does have this thing where she's like, I opened my closet. What did I find? Girl Girl clothes. clothes. I mean, I know I am a girl, but like, where's the leather or something? Right, and even and nice Rachel's like, why don't I, I have could wear any more skirts? skirts. Yeah. yeah, I have nice legs. I should wear more skirts. Yeah, and then she does. Right, she wears Marco a mini likes and Marco her mini skirt. Out. Yep. Uh, Marco. I roll. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's an interesting distinction, and yeah, it's yeah. it's it's conflating the or at least it's it's sort of attaching the girly parts of her with the weaker parts, mm-hmm. which is I feel like a, a sort of easy surface level connection to make that is pretty rooted in misogyny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it has been one of the things that I love most about her, which is that she you know even in that beginning scene uh, when the when the guy hits on her she she says yeah I'm really pretty no I know like, <laughs> well I, the thing that I do appreciate about that kind of boys are this way girls are this way thing in the beginning is that Rachel is not interested in either yeah right mm-hmm. she's like mm-hmm. boys are into their like stupid little superhero power fantasies that's not what the real world is like mm-hmm. girls are all scared of stuff but life is scary get over it right and then she goes yeah. off on her own and she's kind of like yeah no one really followed me because I guess you know my mom says I give off bad vibes yeah <laughs> Then, I don't think it's that her mom says that. I think it's like we want to use this expression from like the 70s. Oh, okay. uh, but I, I think I think she thinks she is aware that she gives off like yeah. scary but, vibes. And then when she but... drops her earring, she kicks the rock in frustration, which makes her even more mad. It's like, this is why I love Rachel so much. She's I'm, great. I mean, I think something you were saying, Gray, like I do love that she can be incredibly strong and incredibly girly at the same time and that mm-hmm. those are not in conflict this book does put them in conflict yeah. in a way that I don't love like yeah. I love a lot of things about this book but that is not great no agreed so there's usually like standout horrifying moments in like different Animorphs books were there any moments <sighs> in this book that just made you go oh yes oh I actually had one no. wait you did <laughs> yes. wait before, before you say it though yeah because I want to say when it comes to morphing I think there are nice Rachels and mean Rachels. And Gray and I are nice Rachels and Jackie's and Rachel. <laughs> you can take it. We cannot. Uh, yeah. yeah, that might be true. I will not deny it. 
Yeah. Okay, this is the part that creeped me out. Nice Rachel is morphing possibly an owl. Yes. She says, you can hear your skull as it changes shape and you think, oh, oh, my brain is being squished. The idea of my brain being squished did creep me out. Good. (laughs) So gross. Meg, how do you feel about the morphing descriptions? Are you creeped out by them? No, actually. I always thought it was awesome. But there was a a moment in the book that got me and it's when (laughs) Rachel's morphing out of a fly and she's still trying to kill Marco. So, like, especially when Rachel struck Marco's face with the open tube at the end of her proboscis, she used it to cover his mouth and nose, shutting off his air, muffling his cries of outrage and disgust. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, ah! Yeah. That jumped out to me. What a body horror moment. I it is not part of the like canon of worst things that have happened in Anwar's books that I go back to when mm-hmm. I think about the series, but I think it should be. And That's she's one of trying the worst to kill Marco. Like it's really well, brutal. This yeah. whole scene is amazing. This is another David analogy. It's like, how hard is it to fight in Animorph? Turns out it's really hard. Yeah. Because like so she demorphs from Fly, tackles Marco. The only reason he survives is because she keeps demorphing and so the proboscis <laughs> goes away, right? Mm-hmm. Jake does like a running tackle and she dodges out of the way, right? And then It's also Rachel being real cool. Right. She grabs Tobias out of the air and is like, I'm gonna kill him. And then they all have to kind of like overpower her at once. Yeah. And then they're like, we have to go on this mission without her. And well, we can't tie her up. Axe they're like, sure, you can come, and then Axe knocks her out. Which I was like, oh, no, she's in human form. We know that concussion travels through morphs. Please don't do that to her. (laughs) Oh, no. She's already been concussed in this series. But then they're like, well, I guess we'll just leave her here and hope she doesn't follow because there's no way to tie her up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's hard to fight the Animorphs. Yeah, Animorphs are real, real tough to fight. But is this the first book where the Yerks have an actually good plan? Okay, only sort of. <laughs> I was with them. I was with them briefly. I thought the gassing was a good plan. Yes, yeah. the gassing. But was the smart. fact that on such small odds, they created an entire like crushing chamber of death <laughs> trap. Okay, okay, that Visser feels like an overexpenditure. Just saw Star Wars for the first time and is really into it. Yeah, I was like, I was ready to give him some credit. He's like, I have an andalite body. I know what creeps you all out. I'm gonna have this chamber slowly get smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, but why doesn't he just? Why does and he just infests them. He doesn't need to break their spirits. He just needs to put a yerk in their head. I know you got traumatized in Horkbeger Chronicles, but come on. <laughs> it's and also the fact that he doesn't watch them when they demorph to human. Right? And he assumes there's only one? Right. Why would there only be one? He collected like 12 bugs, which he put in glass boxes on individual pedestals. Let's just mention that. The only Hilarious. thing... Wait, this is... I just came up with this theory. It's another really bad theory, but okay. given that Jake was like, you know, we set up this whole thing, like it was important to me to let you guys just see that you both need each other. Yeah. What if it was all a hologram that Eric created? <laughs> Alright, bad theory. Let's move on. There, there is no way that's true. Eric would never go along with something like that. And if that happened, then Jake definitely already split into his nice and evil sides. <laughs> Good point. Well, there is the like the three different trucks moving the mm-hmm. moving thing to like. No, there's like, yeah, that's a good plan. That's a good plan. But in general, yeah, it was it, it went south real quickly. Once and then yeah, Visser Three's like, next time I'll just kill you right off. And I was like, no, you won't. <laughs> you you never do that. Not a thing. You just you're too addicted to your own 
showboating. Oh. Also, they gas all the bugs, mm-hmm. and then they put them in little boxes. Why not just kill the bugs? You know, it'd be so much easier just yeah. to kill the bugs. Yeah, well, he, maybe the they're use? hoping that one of the Andalites will cave and scream like Rachel did, and then they'll be able to get them to demorph and infest them. I mean, but we know Visor 3 doesn't want any other Andalite controllers out there. But this so is the first time when he says he does, right? He He's going to infest them. Oh, he always says that. He always yeah. says no, he wants right. it. But we know that really he's insecure. Mm-hmm. The gassing them and just collecting all animals that are near the trek was actually like, all right, that's actually a pretty that's good, good, a good plan. Yeah. yeah. Collecting them carefully in individual glass jars and putting them on pedestals. <laughs> pedestals was a bridge too far. All right. Let's get that evil Pedestal too far. out again. Yeah. <laughs> Vista 3 has the list and he's been doing everything on it. <laughs> Oh, so wait, no, he's, this is, we know that Visser 3 collects torture devices from around the galaxy. Oh, right? yeah. So here he's building his own bespoke torture device. Mm, nice. For his trash compactor. Andalite in Bugamorph, <laughs> claustrophobia fear base. He just has torture. dreams of being yeah. you know, a torture icon. Can we talk about Jake's plan for Nice Rachel with, like, the whole tunnel and everything? Oh, yeah. Sure. So Jake, of course, puts Nice Rachel with him because there are three trucks. There are five Animorphs plus the two halves of Rachel. So one of them has to go, and they choose Nice Rachel and call on her sense of duty. And, and of course, they're going to split into pairs, pairs, and Jake is like, Nice Rachel is with me. Classic Jake move. Like, he's not going to let someone else try to control that situation. Mm -hmm. And... He tells Rachel they're following the truck, and then he tells Rachel in Owl Morph, and then he's like, no, we have to land on the truck. Owls can't keep up with the truck. And then once they land on the truck, he's like, okay, Rachel, now we have to demorph. And she's like, wait, what? (laughs) And so she demorphs, and then he's like, and now we have to morph to Cockroach. If we don't, we're going to hit this tunnel that's coming up soon. We're too tall. We're going to be squished. So she is completely terrified. And she's like, Jake might be lying to me, but I don't know. I just have to morph anyway. And so finally she morphs. And she's like, are we through the tunnel? And Jake just doesn't answer. And she's like, so it was a lie. And it's... And then she says, that's Jake. The mission comes before anything. Yeah. Which is very mean Jake. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's... I, I'm completely with Jake on this one. Yeah. You know, use her, use her fear against her. Like... Yeah. It is, I feel like, something that Jake couldn't have done 30 books ago. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that's true. He's gotten real good at this. Mm-hmm. Well, and he, he's, he also lets them figure out a plan for getting out of the viscer-created trap for them. He's completely silent oh, yeah. the whole time. And he, that's like some nerve he has. Right? Like, I mean, he's going like, to get squished too. Steel. Uh-huh. But he just lets them figure it out because he says, I, I needed you to, I wanted the two of you to find a way out. You had to figure out that you need each other. Also, me and Rachel comes up, or the Rachels together come up with the uh, plan that should have really been used good in, plan. in Endgame against Thanos, right? Mm. <laughs> this is the Ant-Man goes into Thanos' butt plan. Exactly. <laughs> to be clear, they go into Mr. 3's ear. Just want to make sure that's clear for the listeners at home. So anyway, it would have worked. That's what should have happened in Endgame. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah, it, it worked really well now. That was like one of the best plans they've come up with mm-hmm. for like really good. staving off Mr. 3. Way better than the skunk thing in 9. Uh, I think they've learned from the skunk thing that, and from the, the Helmicrons thing that Mr. 3 is very willing to yes. negotiate to a place of safety. Mm-hmm. Like they've That's called true. this bluff several times before. Yeah, what's, they, uh, they know him. What's the one? Have you had the one where they get sucked up into. Wait, wait, what? Have nope, nope, don't okay. say it. We might not. Okay. <laughs> Then that's their worst plan ever. So when you get to that, that's it. That's <laughs> the worst one. Uh, yeah. Hey, Gray, oh, Gray, take your headphone out. Sorry. Which which one, Meg? Fish up a big. Oh, straw? like book, book three. 
Maybe. I cannot remember. Yeah, fish up a big... Yeah. Okay, you can put it I thought it was... I also... I was on the same page as you. I don't actually know which one I thought... I didn't have a specific one in mind. But, yeah, the... The fish getting sucked up into the thing. That was the worst plane. Like, into that ship in... Yeah, and then they morph and they can't get out and they're stuck underwater and they're trapped and they're all going to die and Tobias is flying around on the outside. Yeah, that's the worst plane they've had so far. And he and Rachel have the, I never told you, you didn't have to, Tobias, I knew, and it was great. The eels in the pipes was also a bad plan, <laughs> but mostly because I don't like things where they're trapped in water in a claustrophobic place, because that is That's a true. really bad <laughs> situation. What about when they were at the um, the gardens, aquarium? <laughs> the tunnel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was also a bad plan. All of their plans are bad. Some of them are less bad than others, but they're all bad. I liked how they played on Rachel's claustrophobia in this. Like, we mm. saw that in Oh, yeah. 17, it's funny. She and, and the Andalites have the same fear. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, but they're not Andalites, so it'll be fine that these walls... Oh, no, wait. Rachel's incredibly claustrophobic. She's is... also afraid of heights. Yeah, it turns out. She says, do you know who else is afraid of heights? We learned in the last book is Jake. I forgot to point that out. Cousins. When did we learn that Jake was afraid of heights? He says something about being afraid of heights. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, Rachel has a lot of fears. She just is really good at overcoming them. Mm-hmm. She's very good at something about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, seeing these two halves of her really make it clear how effective she is normally. <laughs> All right, what else do you want to talk about in this? I have a question. Okay. Mm. So each of the two Rachels were able to be just like a little different. Like they were able to get cowardly Rachel to do more stuff and they were able to get mean Rachel to stop and listen. Do you think, mm-hmm. and obviously it was time sensitive, they had to get them back together. Do you think if... They kept them on the team that mean and nice Rachel could have eventually learned to be assets <laughs> to the Animorph team. Do you think, like, parts of their brain grow back? Because, like, I feel like a big challenge for Ooh. for nice Rachel is that she mentioned, she's like, you know how normal people, you, like, go through a scary experience and you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I can do that next time. No, I think they're still developing, right? Yeah. Brains well, she are was, pretty she plastic. I think, she, I think they would have been fine. Yeah, because she said, she's like, it's like I don't even have that part of my brain. Right. I know I just morphed and it was fine, but, like, it's still just as terrifying this time. And, yeah, but you're right that, like, they're only, like, 13, 14 or something like that. Lots of time for the brains to... Uh, yeah, so I want to talk about both how they get into the situation and how they get out of it in terms of... Ooh, shaking okay. my hands at the sky and saying none of this makes sense. <laughs> well, that's Gray's role, but okay. <laughs> Go on. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. She's a starfish. She gets cut in half, and both halves can demorph. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. How does it make sense? How does it make sense that her brain has two different halves and that they're matching halves? And how does that even make sense? It's a sci-fi trope. It just is. But also, no. We need to. We need to demand more. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. So if her brain is in Z space. Is this a fluke or can this always happen? Well, I think that it has to be an animal that can regenerate, right? Because the important thing is that the starfish gets cut almost directly in half. And it didn't die. And it didn't die. And so starfish, it's they have a sexual reproduction where if this uh-huh. happens, both starfish can create new starfish. It's like a really right. cool thing to I was do. wondering if you would come up with that with the starfish cover for no, the separation. because how <laughs> would crazy. I have possibly come up with this plot? It is <laughs> bananas. Yes, it is. So yeah, so I think the regeneration thing, it's not like when Rachel's in this book, her arm gets cut off and then she uses, uses it as a club to beat people. Thank you for bringing Hilarious. that up because I love it. I love Incidentally, it so she comes home, rips the arms off her teddy bear. Yeah. I'm, that teddy bear is not getting better. <laughs> that was the moment when I decided that we needed to turn the separation into a musical. <laughs> when me and Rachel comes home and wakes, wakes up nights, Rachel rips the bear out of her hands and tears both of its arms off at once. That would be a really good song. 
But the point is, <laughs> that arm of the grizzly bear that she's using as a club is not going to regenerate no, into a grizzly no, no, bear. No, no, no. So I think that's So is it, is it like a glitch that... So I, a couple things I want to point out here. Starfish are the most evolutionarily primitive thing that the animorphs have ever morphed. <laughs> yeah. If you go, if you go mm-hmm. far back among... You know, animals with symmetry and stuff. Even yeah. insects are sort of like yeah. more recent on the evolutionary tree than starfish. Yeah. And so I'm also pretty sure they don't go any more basic than this. I think that the starfish is the most basic it ever gets. Okay. So I was wondering if it's something like to do with we ha- we kind of know that there's like your your mind is separate from your body. Maybe there's this Cartesian dualism in Animorphs universe. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just kind of a glitch in the technology that the mind in Z space has to try and control both Rachel's at once or Mm. also duplicates itself. You know, I don't know. Like, it's unclear whether Rachel at the end gets both sets of memories. Uh Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure. So in that case, it kind of makes sense that the brain is like trying to work with two bodies all of a sudden. Yeah. There was a point when I asked whether they were sharing one brain because nice Rachel did something so dumb that I couldn't believe she had a full brain. And also, <laughs> well, they like, kind of don't, she has right? No, she has no short-term memory. Like, she thinks, oh, I have to call my dad, and then immediately forgets that, so she has to write it down for herself in order to remember three seconds later that mm-hmm. she wanted to call her dad. Like, I, I do think it makes sense that they are sharing. The brain in Z-Space is like, okay, I have to control two bodies. How can I do that? This one's going to get all the short term and this one's going to get all the long term, which that still doesn't make any sense, but whatever. But yeah, like, and so I guess maybe it's like in terms of resourcing, it would be, it, it would be simpler if Rachel was just suddenly had two bodies and it, it, that was confusing. That would be fun yeah, also. Right. But like. What would Tobias do? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but they do say they have all the same memories, that her memories are intact. Yes. Right. Oh, now I also want the book where they're just split in two, but there's no, like, personality differentiation. But they... But maybe they go through different experiences. No, but it's, or... is it the same mind controlling? I, anyway, so... No, her mind is just duplicated. Yeah, it, it doesn't... I don't necessarily know. And, like, it obviously, for thematic reasons, it has to be balanced between the two halves. But it seems like there's no reason why, you know, it couldn't have been, like, you know, like, happy Rachel and sad Rachel. Like, mm, like I don't... Yeah. There's certainly nothing inherent about the way your brain works that means that, like, well, if you cut it in half, you know, you, you don't get have the nice hemisphere ta- and like the mean the, hemisphere, right, and what? the tactics hemisphere and the strategy hemisphere. And- By the oh, way, this is very do. helpful for me because I can never figure out the difference between tactics and strategy, and now I know. I mean, yeah, just think about nice Rachel and Rachel. Right. It's not. Big, <laughs> I actually don't mess this up for me, Greg. I mean, sorry, this is exactly what it, it means. Well, I like the tactics for strategy thing. It does not really map onto the brain right. in a way that makes any sense. No, no. And it also doesn't really map onto what Mean Rachel is doing. Yeah. Right. She's not actually thinking tactically. She's not actually thinking. Well, is she my is complaint. thinking. I, I would argue that fighting with your own severed bear arm yeah. is a... Is a <laughs> Strong tactical move. Or in the barn yeah. when she manages to grab Tobias. Like, mm-hmm. she wasn't able to think ahead in order to be like, oh, I know, I'll attack Marco, and then when they go after me, I'll grab Tobias. But, like, in the moment, she can, like, That's figure that out. Yeah, yeah she's but actually very clever, just yeah. only in terms of, like, quick reactions. But they didn't do a, like, left brain, right brain. No, 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 Right, no, no, where no, no, one no, of them no, got no. all of her creativity and the other one all of her well, math That's also, ability. like, a little bit fake, right? Oh. As opposed oh, yes. to oh, yes. this. <laughs> well, I guess no. Okay, so no. no. <laughs> this no, is but, faker. What are we okay, no, but to I mean, do? I know I wanted to get into it more, but like this is just the same se- separation that was in that Star Trek episode, right? Yeah. Yes, it's, it is. It's, it is so that's, the same. That's one. why. That's why. 
That's why, yeah, it, that's why I associate it so strongly with the Star Trek episode, even though, like, it's a, there's obviously Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing going on, but, like, the way that the Kirks were split is the way that the Rachels are split. Interesting. Yeah. I will have to watch that. So. Ending? Yeah, so at the end, uh-huh. so Axe comes up with this <laughs> this scheme. So, first of all, like, Axe has never seen this before. Does he just make this up? He definitely just makes this up. He didn't pay any attention in science class. No, what? And we should stop trusting him to make up. I mean, listen, they keep working, no. so you should keep trusting Great, him. Great, don't worry. Don't worry. This is, it's, we're, we're going somewhere good with this. Okay, so, yeah, wait, go on. Are we? <laughs> so, this is what happens. He tells, they tell the Rachels to acquire each other. And it's very important that the acquiring starts at the same time. Mm-hmm. And while they are acquiring each other, Eric steps forward and electrocutes them. <laughs> uh-huh. He did not tell them he was going to do this beforehand. Like a lot. And as they are being electrocuted, they find themselves back. They need to morph into each other. Right. They start to morph and they morph into each other and create one whole Rachel. And it infuses. The bodies manage to morph back into each other. Mm -hmm. The brain is full and reconnected and stuff. That'll make sense. It's because X has such a deep understanding of Z-space. Yeah. Okay. Did anyone have anything else you want to say about this? <laughs> I want to know Reactions? where you're going. Okay. There's nothing in the text to suggest that this is limited to people <gasps> who share the same D- same DNA. Ooh, so, Gray, whoa. if you want a megamorph to happen, all you need <laughs> is simultaneous acquisition, electricity, simultaneous morphing, and you can merge all the animorphs into one body. Okay, yeah, but, but the two still... Rachels sort of share a consciousness in a way, right? Like, they came from the same consciousness that split, and now it's being recombined. If, like, Cassie and Rachel have never had the same consciousness, it might not work. So It might not work. <laughs> but it would work. And I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast before, but by Axe combining a little bit of each of the other kids' DNA, did he also, does he have to deal with, like, their human instincts? Is that the reason Axe has become the soft boy he has? <laughs> Yes. Yes. 100% Uh, yes. yes. Although we also think that he's using that as an excuse to let out his inner, like, silly kid, which he feels like he's never allowed to be because he has to be an Angelite warrior. Mm -hmm. Okay, but so imagine (laughs) the Megamorph, right? All six Animorphs merge into one Uh Frankenstein zombie creature. Okay. And then they defeat Visser 3. And And then then they morph a starfish? They morph a starfish in three iterations to cut into six different people again. Who what if it probably didn't be divide evenly? Yeah, exactly. So so <laughs> it would have to be, I mean, we have to have six Animorphs. So you'd have like brave Animorph, you know, funny Animorph. This is what we already sad have. Sad Animorph. Um, <laughs> nice Animorph, leader Animorph, and technology Animorph. <laughs> The six genders. The six genders, yeah. I mean, Which anamorph gender are you? Exactly. The thing about my desire for a megamorph is I feel incumbent upon me to point out, I want like a Power Ranger-style giant robot, but uh, each of them being part of an animal. Yes. I don't want six minds in you one body. You want like body, the Voltron Which robot. is, I think, yeah. what happened here. Six minds in one giant robot body? <laughs> like, why is there... Because bo- their body wait, is... have we discussed this? Can Eric gain the power to morph? I don't think Surely so. Not. No. Why that not? Because he's not DNA organic. Based. It works somehow through... It's like biotech. He's not bio. So you need DNA. I think so. Okay. 
Yeah, that's that seems yeah, right. Yeah, because the DNA has to like hang out in your bloodstream or whatever <laughs> for you to be able to access it. He doesn't have a bloodstream yeah. for that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, but so no, can the Helmicrons shrink, Eric? <laughs> yes, they can shrink anything. Uh-huh. The Helmicrons could get more <laughs> abilities if you really wanted to. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Helmicrons can shrink inanimate objects. Um, Wait, the Helmicrons are fungible. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe the separation process is why the Helmicrons are, like, barely um, like, sentient. They were, each Helmicron ship was one person who's been separated this into... This explains so much. And this is why they're... they're almost like, cellular... This is why some forms. of them are wimpy and some of them are really aggressive and violent. Right. And why yeah, they kind so of vote. They vote amongst themselves and kill mm-hmm. off each other. It's like the way the brain makes decisions. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. I mean, that did kind of seem to be the actual implication of like, oh, they're fighting and they're killing the ones who lose. It is sort of like killing the idea you didn't want because anyway, they're all so, sort of a collective. So I shouldn't feel bad about killing all the Helmocrats because <laughs> one day... Did, did you kill all the Helmocrats? One day... Ted, what did you Gal- do? <laughs> one day Galaxy Blaster will wake up and be like, whoa, that was weird. <laughs> um, um, hey, you guys. Uh, is the anti-morphing ray still out there? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. They haven't done anything about the anti-morphing ray. Is yeah. that going to come yeah. back at all? I can't imagine that that would come back. Okay, so that's going to be my prediction for next time. They're week. never going to use the time matrix. Okay. Um, one thing about the anti-morphing ray, though, is we learn it works by destroying the morphing field, causing a person in morph to demorph. Which The morphing right. field? No, great. Sense. Can you remind us what the morphing field is? No, I can't because I have never heard of this before. <laughs> What's the morphing field? This is all nonsense. <laughs> Do we know about the morphing field? Am I just forgetting? We've never heard of the morphing field. Okay, great. Field it's before. all nonsense. Yeah, I, I am intrigued is it like by the, this. The ether? Term, it's just the morphing field is all around us? Like. Well, you sort of. Didn't we have some conjecture at some point where you, like, you gain somehow you energy from the morph and then it dissipates over the course of two hours and when it's gone you can't morph back like that was very like much that. a theory but wouldn't an anti-morphing ray be like a, a nothlet ray then like oh, it like zaps away right. your morphing power instead right. of forcing instead you of demorphing morph? you also could you have a forced morphing ray like like the helmicrons had into a flea? Mm-hmm. you'd think that the helmicrons could invent that with the box which they don't have anymore so they won't yeah I mean it's very confusing to me that they'd be able to invent this technology without having the morphing cube I I yeah. think the Morphin Cube was just... Oh, you mean that the... the, the it could also be scan. like the free will device from 28. Right. Like it, it might not actually sure. work. Uh, speaking of things that are really funny in this book, um, there's a great part right at the beginning where Rachel is doing her introduction yeah. thing. And she explains, as, as they usually do, how they got the morphing power. We have this ability to morph, to acquire the DNA, and then become that animal. She says, morphing, power, wrapped up in a nightmare. Morphing <laughs> is a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> I also liked how she said that the Yerks don't want to barbecue our livers? Yeah. What was that a reference to? Hannibal <gasps> Lecter? I know. Oh, was it? Was it? I thought I thought it was a reference to something. Is it like a reference to like a song or like some kind of other thing? I assumed it was a reference to something because it's super weird. I have no idea what it is a reference to. I, it, it, it pinged me as a reference, but I couldn't like look up Mike, something specific. Mike, do you know specific. what this is? I do not know what it's a reference to. I'm just like... They don't want to barbecue our livers. Because they have some stuff about like, they aren't going to hover over our cities and blow up the Statue of Liberty or whatever, which I assume is some 90s movie. Yeah. Independence Day. There you go. Okay. And then it's that they don't want to barbecue our livers, which I'm relieved that they don't want to do that. So one thought from me and Rachel that I loved is she thinks, Cassie's all right, but man, she can complicate the simplest thing, you know? (laughs) I'm like, tough but fair. Yeah. I like that both Rachel still liked the people she liked. Mm. That's true. Yeah. 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 Like, nice Rachel's like, 
I wanted to go shopping with Elizabeth, this girl who just asked me to go shopping. But I didn't really like Elizabeth, and I did like Cassie, but Cassie might not want to go shopping. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, I like that she likes Cassie despite her dislike of shopping. Uh, also, another <laughs> another great um, middle, grade, middle grade phrase. She's looking at the girl clothes, and she's upset. You know, so squeaky clean, so preppy, so good girl. I never really thought about it before. I mean, I bought the stupid clothes, all right, but they chewed. <laughs> They chewed. I do not know that slang. They sucked? Can they not say sucked? They never say sucked, do they? Do they? I don't know. They also reference the Goosebumps books. There were so... Okay. Can you read the passage where they reference the Goosebumps books? I sure can. Nice Rachel says, um, I remember it was chilly. I had, like, Goosebumps. (laughs) I used to read those books, Marco said. Rachel had books in response to cold? (laughs) Focus. Can we please focus here, Jason? All right, I, I just looked it up. They do say sucks. They say the mall sucks at some point. Okay. Me and Rachel says that. So I was wrong. That's a word they used. That was not what they were trying to replicate with chewed. So it just doesn't make um, sense. They mention Beast Morph Transformers at one point, yeah. which is significant because there was a line of Animorphs toys that were morphing toys that <laughs> did not sell well, so were then repackaged exact same toys as Beast Morph Transformers toys. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Did that That's happen so before funny. this book? I did not I did not look that Amazing. up. But I, I wasn't sure if it was like was this after they had announced the tie-in, you know, like I don't know. Oh, that's so funny. They also talk about Baby Spice and Mary Kate and Ashley. Yes. I really appreciated the Mary Kate and Ashley reference. This was like when was peak Mary Kate and Ashley? Like early nineties? Yeah. No. Maybe. I feel like they were still big later in the nineties. They were probably still yeah, they were still yeah. big. They were doing their like, you know, detective series of movies and when they were like seven and then they right. like went on to do right. some teen stuff when was the parent trap you're thinking of it takes two it takes two it takes that's two. what i am thinking uh of. yeah they were like 11 ish in that so well, when was that? that was like 97 97 they are exactly yeah. the same age. i feel like that was oh. peak they're exactly like one year younger than me <laughs> that was peak mary kate and ashley i think <laughs> yeah was. Uh, it takes two there was there were there was a movie um, set at a dude ranch in the Wild Wild West. How the West was fun. Uh huh. Yes, that's because that's a couple years later. <laughs> no, no, but that was not as as well known. I don't think as it takes two. I don't mean it's in terms good. of quality. I, I meant in terms of popularity. Oh. But I do think it takes two was better than How the West was fun. I agree. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I think that it was like they, that. They were still they were still a big thing probably at this point. There was a double mint gum commercial reference. I don't think that's probably 90s. That's probably older than 90s, right? <laughs> probably. Also in that scene. So this is the scene where she's basically being like, I'm into all possible men. Including like, my cousin. Including my cousin, but also including Eric, right? <laughs> she's like, I don't think he's cute because, you know, it's bad enough being attracted to a guy who's a bird of prey, right? <laughs> Getting into androids is maybe going a little far. <laughs> Although when you realize Eric is really like thousands of years old, so he's totally mature and all. Anyway, and she goes on. <laughs> that was an amazing thought process. I feel like that's really tapping into the like teenage girls falling for immortal vampires energy. Uh, <laughs> of like, he's just so mature. Oh my god. I would love to read a version of Twilight where instead of vampires, it's G. <laughs> I would also love that. Eric goes to a small town. <laughs> Rural Washington. <laughs> And nice Rachel oh, plays the part of Bella. Speaking of Eric, I did want to say, so he is jealous of Rachel very briefly. Oh, yeah. That was an interesting oh, note. That yeah. was interesting. So he he comes to, like, tell them more about the anti-morphing, right? And he's looking somewhat wistfully at Rachel. He says, 
Rachel has uh, found the way to fight a war and suffered none of the pain. She takes all the evil inside her and sends it off on its own to do to do what has to be done. I guess there are times I wish, dot, 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 well, forget it. Mm. And then he leaves. And I thought that was really interesting. Like, yeah, I can see that that would be very attractive to Eric. <laughs> Speaking of Eric, this is, this is on a much lighter note. Eric's just figured out what's going on. He's like, I can't stay long. I just came to update you guys on the mission. To the Yerk Pool, mean Rachel crowed. Let's get some <laughs> flamethrowers. <laughs> I gotta stop hanging out with you people, Eric said. You people are just plain strange. But I <laughs> what a great like, line. <laughs> so Eric doesn't quite get. I mean, it's it's actually. I feel like the Chi are kind of these like wise, all-knowing creatures or whatever. But I think Eric's being really naive here, right? Mm, it's not. Uh-huh. I get, or maybe for a robot, yeah, maybe he could build a super violent robot that would actually be separate. But like, the point of the book is that Rachel is incomplete in yes. either half. So it's he doesn't really get the it's full it's a it's a it's a fantasy that you could be like okay well I'm just going to compartmentalize the bad part of myself and mm-hmm. not yeah. hurt this like precious perfect part right he yeah, sees yeah. nice Rachel as the good one which mm-hmm. we don't really agree with right yeah I can see Cassie also wanting to do that like she feels a duty to do these things but she doesn't want to have the impact of them on herself yeah yeah I was just paging forward from that there are so many like priceless passages in this book and. <laughs> Tobias is talking about like, okay, we need to go after this anti-morphing ray, but first we need to figure out what the deal is with two Rachels. I leered at him. You're as bad as Marco. You want us both. Ha ha. I'll be more than enough for you, Tobias. You won't be needing the whip here. Uh, that wasn't exactly what. Yeah. Or I Tobias. love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's amazing. I also love this passage where they're talking about the earring that got lost and you see Rachel's inner conflict about her dad play out mm. between these two. Yeah, in front yeah, of everyone. Yeah. yeah, Rachel says stupid earrings. My favorite earrings. My dad gave them to me. Guilt gift. It was sweet. It was a payoff for missing our visit that weekend. He was busy. Right. You were horrible and you're a pinhead. And you could, I'm sure she had all of these thoughts. Yeah. Like, this is probably a place where the division is very clear in her, like, natural self. Can we also talk about how much Rachel's dad sucks? Oh, oh my God. the very worst. He's was he that bad? I thought it was, I mean, I guess I mostly back. focused I on her. He's not super helpful in the scene where uh, they meet at the airport, which mm-hmm. is, by the way, another 90s thing. Um, <laughs> yes, they could go to the gate. They go to the gate yeah. to meet him on, like, a layover. And, okay, so he's not, like, overly helpful, but he's also very confused. Nice yeah, it's very weird stuff happening. And then she goes away, and then me and Rachel comes to talk to him. He's confused. Fine. The part where I was like, oh, he's not going to hate you, was she is freaking out. Nice Rachel is freaking out. So she calls her dad. Mm-hmm. And, okay, she's not being Rachel, right? She's, like, panicking. Mm-hmm. And his first instinct is, are you on drugs? And she's like, no. So he goes, all of a sudden he goes, oh, thank God. And then he goes off on his own thing about, Mm -hmm, oh, I did mm -hmm. the story about drug use. And then they made me chop it down to a minute 30. And she goes, uh, this is like about me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, oh, of course. How are you? Not very good, Rachel says. And he (laughs) says, have you talked to your mom? She's pretty good with this kind of stuff. I will come through the phone and punch you yeah. in the face. So the weird thing is that Rachel says later, she's like, I could talk to my mom, but we don't really have a, like, talking about stuff relationship, which means she thinks she does have one with her father, and yet her father's, like, trying to pawn her off yeah. with her mom. And after this conversation is over, he calls his ex-wife yeah. to be like, yeah. why is our daughter, like, bothering I mean, me? Oh, no, no, no. I think that's a little bit fair. She was super weird on the phone. If your daughter called you, you would call the other half of your parenting team to be like, what the heck is wrong with her? Is everything okay? Like, something weird is happening. Yes. And then 
Well, and there's all the like skipped weekends or whatever. So he, <laughs> she, she's going downstairs when him, her mom picks up the phone and her mom says, no, she's not on drugs. I would know. Unlike certain people, I see her every day. It's like we don't see a lot of interactions with her and her mom, but I can just yeah. imagine like. But also that's so sad because her mom's like, no, I know what's going on in her life. Her mom has no idea what's going on in her life. She is fighting a war against aliens, and you have no clue. I also, I really love, she's really desperate to tell her dad the the truth, Mm -hmm. but like the the incompetence when she carries out this plan. It's just like, there's so many good things. So even early on in the call, she's like, when he's like, are you okay? She's immediately like, can you tell? And then she tells us, my dad's a reporter. He has very good instincts. (laughs) Just like, come on, nice Rachel. And then... She's trying to talk about her problem in terms of boy troubles. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, Which there are three is boys. His well, guess. Boys. He's like, your mom's good at this stuff. And she's like, what stuff? And he's like, well, boy troubles? Is this about a boy? And it, like, that's the thing. Like, oh, a teenage girl like has a problem. It must be about a boy. Right. right. And she's like, well, she doesn't want to come out and say that it's aliens. And so she's like, well, he's foreign. And then her dad is like an alien. And she's like, how did you know? And he's yeah. like, no, my housekeeper's from Ukraine. Who Was that a thing in the 90s? Or is he like... Because like now I can't imagine calling like an immigrant like someone who like... An alien. Isn't naturalized. Like an alien. Like... I mean, I feel like that was... I think that was still... That's been part of the discourse for a while. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, is it like... Is he showing that he is a jerk about this by calling this person an alien? Mm. Or like would that not have had the same connotation in the 90s? Oh, I think both. <laughs> so it's maybe not quite as bad, but it's not great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I think it's I think it's very othering and there has for a while been a community of people who will use that term mm-hmm. thoughtlessly. Um, but the look, I know I've missed a weekend or two, but I've been really, really busy. You know I love you. Uh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I might have read that with a little more sympathy than than you did, but I think your reading is very fair. Okay, so I found the bit when nice Rachel shows up to confess to her dad, she cannot do it. It's amazing. So she gets everything ready. He's he's there. He's doing a connecting flight. So she comes into the airport. And of course, you can get to like the gate. Doesn't have to worry about security or whatever. But he sits down. He says, okay, what's the emergency? You kind of implied there was something major, something you couldn't tell your mom. I nodded. That's right. I couldn't tell her because she might be one of them. One of what? So could you. <laughs> I could be? What? He asked. I looked at him very shrewdly. You tell me. He shook his head. Okay, back up. What is it I could be? Or is it your mom? He seemed confused, but maybe that was all a ruse. (laughs) I leaned forward. Look me right in my eyes and tell me you're not. I can't do that unless... Oh, that's right. You can't because you don't even know what I'm talking about. It's amazing. Yeah. No, you're right. There's sort of like a missing normal Rachel intelligence here. (laughs) It's just so funny. I also love the introduction of Rachel's stuffed animal, Bobo Bear. Yeah, we've never met him before. And we never will again because me and Rachel tears its arms off. You know what? I bet Rachel's mom will fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Rachel will fix him. I don't imagine she's really learned a lot of sewing skills, but... You gotta fix Boba Bear. You do have to fix Boba Bear. I think it was ripped along seams. It'll be fine. I hope so. Another 90s reference is to mystify your mind screensavers. Oh, you remember my how important totally screensavers used to be? Yeah. <laughs> Choosing which one. Watching the pipes. The I watched the pipes forever. Uh, I was like the maze. The maze was also good, yeah. <laughs> What else? What else do we want to talk about here? Meg, do you have any other things? No, I think I think I've hit all my hard hitting questions. <laughs> 
Those they were very hard hitting. Yeah. What What do we think Rachel's going to do from here? Like, how is she going to deal with this? I think we'll never hear about it again. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you've been reading a lot of these books and have picked up on a pattern or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although that hasn't stopped me from insisting that there are connections between books that there never are. <laughs> <laughs> but you think the anti-morphing ray will come back? I do. I'm going to predict that for the next one. Okay. I like to think that she will carry a little bit more... Hopefully she'll be able to live with indecision a little more than she Mm -hmm. has, right? I guess that's one nice thing about this happening to Rachel is that she's always so Mm pre-committed to, like, not questioning her judgments and decisions. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about how she's made up of... Like, it it is very true that people are made up of these, like, opposing forces. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes us who we are. So if Rachel learns to listen to herself more, that would be great. And I hope she also is able to forgive herself for the violence that she inflicts and yeah. takes some right. joy in, you know? Yeah. and But that's kind of why I worry about this book's take on who Mean Rachel is, yeah. right? Because I feel like she shouldn't. If she comes out of this thinking, now I have this tumor inside of me again, mm-hmm. that would be unproductive. Yeah. I want to mention this thing where, where Nice Rachel is on this mission with Jake, and they have to land on the truck, and she's screaming. She's like, ah, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. Me too, Jake grated. Just stay on my wing. Don't think. Get out of yourself. Pretend you're somewhere else. Just a really nice window into his sort of strategy for Mm. surviving this terrible fear. And I wonder what it was like for the other Animorphs who are always struggling with this fear Mm -hmm. and always having to overcome it. We've seen like every single one of them grapple with this. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they have this version of Rachel who's not even trying and like just exposing it. It Mm -hmm. must be very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I bet it's why they don't like her as much as they like Mean Rachel. Yeah, I don't think they like Mean Rachel either. Yeah, (laughs) but they like more used to her. Like that scene where Cassie and Tobias are talking about like... Well, Cassie's like... Or Rachel's like, you like Mean Rachel better? And Cassie's like, no. Yeah. (laughs) She's, you know, you can't deal with her at all. Um, We just want normal Rachel back. But yeah, I think that that is one of the main things that probably makes them uncomfortable about... Yeah, makes sense. Nice Rachel. All right. right, Do we have anything else we want to say? Do we want to talk about... uh, Mean mean Rachel just like pretty ruthlessly executes those three Hork Bajir Mm -hmm. in that one scene, which is like pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, Accurate. again, we, execute is not the right word for, like, she's fighting them three and one. She's not, like, well, I, yeah, she doesn't yeah. have it's them like immobilized and cutting yeah. their throats. Like, yeah. But, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty brutal. And this is the thing that you've mentioned, Gray, that we keep not dealing with, like, now that we've really, I mean, humanized is not really the right word, but, like, we've really... Humanized. Sure, we've humanized the Herkbegeer. I that's right. <laughs> now that we've really humanized the Herkbegeer, it's weird that we aren't feeling more when they just kill a bunch of them. Mm. I guess neither of these perspectives is the right perspective to think about that. Yeah. Right. Now, should we talk about number 33, The Illusion? Okay, so you guys, you guys, you guys. Yeah? This next one, it's called The Illusion, and it's a Tobias book. It's a Tobias book. Already excited about, but also on the front of the cover, he seems to be morphing into an Andalite, <gasps> and it is about goddamn time. Right? Yes. I have yes. been telling them to get an Andalite morph for 32 books now, and they keep ignoring me, and it's it, so rude how they ignore you about this. I tell you, I'm just trying to give them good advice, and yet. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, it's called The Illusion. The little cut text is, change happens whether we like it or not, and it is Tobias's hawk form mm-hmm. morphing very creepily into an Andalite, <laughs> and also Tobias in like a ghostly head form behind the morphing bodies. Ah, uh, yes. 
yes. little floating ghost. Tobias with his Tobias weird brown hair, which yeah. is not his hair. It's all very weird. Um, can I look at the inside cover? You can. The inside cover is two andalites. It's completely useless. <laughs> Except that their arms are more muscular than they should be. I'm like, oh my normal. gosh, what is with that arm? That's not a weak arm. Come on. Also, they have a one, two, three, four, five, uh, 12 pack, I think. <laughs> Seems wrong. Okay, so. Um, one for each of their fingers. <laughs> I thought they had seven fingers on each oh, hand. That's, that's probably but is true. one a thumb, so it doesn't count? Wait, one, two, three. Are thumbs fingers? Let us know your thoughts, listeners. I always think of thumbs as fingers. Seven, including the thumb. Okay. okay. Um, so, <laughs> change happens whether we like it or not. Uh, I think that uh, the anti-morphing ray is going to come back. Okay. I know things don't sometimes, but I'm <laughs> this. This it's going to happen. No, I'm excited for this. It's going to be good. And because they know about the anti-morphing ray, they need to make sure that if they get caught by it, uh-huh. that they don't turn into to humans. Ooh, okay. Okay, what I'm about to say actually doesn't make sense given the cover, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so, uh, so they have Eric come up with a hologram that he can project over them so that they look like Andalites okay. when they're demorphed. Oh. So that even though they are human, it will look to the Yerks like they're Andalites. That actually doesn't make sense because on the cover he's actually morphing into an Andalite. So <laughs> scratch that instead. Uh, so... Um, so Tobias gets an axe morph in order that when he gets, if he gets demorphed, he turns into a bird and that's fine because they don't know, like he could be a bird not play. Oh, right, right. Even if he was originally an Andalite. Um, and that way uh, he can provide some cover for them as they try to destroy the anti-morphing ray. Oh, okay. So you think the anti-morphing ray will work? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, this okay. is the one time the Yerks have come up with a thing that actually works. <laughs> I mean, the Valique worked. It's just, you know, they gave up after the Animorphs destroyed it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah. It kind of worked. Yeah. That's my prediction. Okay, well, that's going to that's gonna be great. Meg, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for thank having for... me. So, yeah, it was it's so good wonderful. to have you. Yay. Great insights. I'm glad you got to talk about Rachel, your favorite. Oh, man. Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> she was so good. Yeah. And now we get to talk about Tobias next time. Grace's favorite. I love Tobias. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. All right. Hey, bird boy. That's it for us. Thanks, Meg. All right. Y'all are great. All right. Well, thanks so much. Have a good day, everybody. And I can't you wait too. to see your podcast. You Hooray. too, Meg. Thanks. Bye. 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 If you want to find us, we are at Anamorphology.com and at Anamorphology on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the Anamorphs ebooks on our website. <laughs> oh no, there's anti-morphing Ray again. <laughs> it's just some guy named Ray who really hates morphs. <laughs>